Hey, look, it's another edition of the Basketball Reasons Podcast. I promised you I would have part two ready for you on Wednesday of our NBA draft review with special guest Adam Richardson. And I'm a man of my word. So for the next 45, 50 minutes, uh, please listen to us as we break down Mo Wagner, Savi Mikhailuk, and unofficial Lakers draft pick Isaac Bonga. And you know we throw a little banter and a few stories in there along the way. So uh, please enjoy the rest of the pod. And please enjoy the smoothest intro music to beginning of the pod transition that I've ever had here at Basketball Reasons. Hope you guys enjoy. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. And I want to I want to talk about the Lakers picks. I want to know. I have some thoughts, uh, but I talk all the time on this podcast. So I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'll, I'll give my, my thoughts, too. Actually, the first pick, I'm going to go first, um, only because... You sort of touched on what I had to say when you're discussing Robert Williams because you talked about how um, the the six I'm sorry the Celtics didn't really have a lob threat you know the, that entire year and I felt that on a spiritual level because the Lakers didn't after trading Larry Nance didn't really have a lob threat either and Larry Nance is a weird lob threat because he's not super tall but he sets solid screens he makes contact he knows when to slip. he knows when to make contact and he also can get up so he was the, the sort of lob threat we did have. Um, and after he got traded, of course, you know, we were sort of missing that. So I was under the impression at 25 that the Lakers would pick a guy like a Robert Williams, or maybe if he was gone, maybe even reach a bit with a Mitchell Robinson and instead went not not the opposite direction. Honestly, yeah, the opposite from going from, you know, this sort of a long rangy uh, uh, athletic rim running five to this sort of ground bound uh, uh, pick and pop uh, skill skilled playmaking five in Mo Wagner Mo, Mo, Mo Wagner um personally I'm a big Mo Wagner fan uh I when I watched the it was actually the national championship game was maybe the second or third time I watched him all season and I just saw him being a beast on the offensive boards just like going all out on every single play getting on the floor not like a great lateral like mover in terms of defense but he'll he'll poke the ball out he'll dive on the floor for it he'll create some havoc He's a skilled dude, not really a passer, but is, is smart with the ball. He doesn't get himself into bad, get himself into bad situations with the ball in his hand because he can dribble enough uh, that he can sort of take advantage of other matchups. So I, th- I just thought it was I liked him a lot. I didn't expect us to pick him with Robert Williams and Mitchell Robinson on the board. Like I even me, me and my girlfriend have an IGTV channel, and we we did live reactions, and they said, you know, Adam Silver said with the twenty fifth pick, the Los Angeles Lakers select Moritz Wagner out of Germany from Michigan, and I just kind of stood there with a blank look on my face, like really. That's, uh, but I, I like him. I like the pick. I think he fits. He's a high IQ guy. Um, and I think that IQ and shooting and character are like the, the three things that the Lakers are really focused on. I think he hits all three of those. Um, it was obvious that shooting was big, uh, for the Lakers. Uh, so I, I like the pick. I didn't expect it at 25, but I have no problems with it. What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I like the pick too. So, I mean, I think the Lakers, I mean, we'll, we talk about them as a team as a whole for a minute. The roster is so malleable at the moment. Like you have no idea what the opening day roster for the Lakers is going to look like. Obviously, you have some guys that you're targeting, some pretty uh, uh, brand name uh, <laughs> folks that you would like to have on your roster. So I think when it comes to this pick, I think they sort of smartly knew that they needed a guy that no matter what the opening day roster looks like could contribute. You know, we talked about that with Aaron Holiday, a guy you can come off the bench and score. Mo Wagner 
is what he is, does what he does, and does it well, and can really fit on any team in today's NBA because a lot of that is because he can shoot the ball at his height. Um, so I think they did a, a good thing for their overall team there by picking uh, a guy like that that's going to fit on the team regardless of what the roster looks like. I'm, and honestly, if they get you-know-who, um, you could look for Wagner to play kind of that Chris Bosh type of role um, from Miami, a guy who's 6'11", who quote-unquote defends um, post players on the defense, but also really just stands in the corner and spot shoots when you-know-who drops the basket. Um, but, yeah, in terms of Wagner as a prospect, I, I, I liked the pick. You know, we, we mentioned the shooting. Uh, we mentioned the IQ as well. You know, he's a guy that played in Euro leagues, played in pretty high level Euro leagues uh, before coming over and going to Michigan. Kind of a unique path that we've seen a, a couple more guys take recently. We didn't really used to see guys play in those Euro leagues and then come to college for um, for just a short period of time. Um, but again, he's a, he's a high character guy. He's a hard worker, and something you also don't see a lot of Euro guys is he is tough. Man, he he gets when he, yeah. he's not a great rebounder. Um, you know, he could definitely do more in the rebounding department for his size, but he scraps, he goes after it. And I think that's part of his, um, you know, just kind of part of his overall package is he's a guy that's tough um, and, and isn't going to back down from anybody. And that's something that the Lakers um, absolutely need uh, in their locker room. When it comes to, to talking about the lob threat and the potential of adding one of those guys, um, I, as much as, as tempting as it is, to really think that that was the pick for for the Lakers at twenty five, I think I think you I, I understand why a Laker fan would want to see that, especially because of the high flying dunks and the potential and some of the other guys around the league that do the same thing. But the Lakers are in such flux right now with a lot of young guys that if you plug a guy in there, and I'm mainly talking about off the court. A guy in there that not only, you know, a guy like Mitchell Robinson or Robert Williams, where there are serious, legitimate character questions, right? Not Maybe not character is the right word, but, um, you know, focus, questions about their focus and their ability to be a professional right away. You don't want to throw a guy into that locker room that not only needs the on-court development to maximize their potential, but kind of needs that that element of off-court to be looked after as well. I mean, putting them in L.A. for one and then just putting them in a locker room already with a young, bunch of young guys, a young coach who already kind of have a loose atmosphere going, I think you you could potentially see a situation like I've seen in Phoenix with a guy like Marquise Chris where the talent may be there, but it's just not a good situation to put a guy like that in. What uh, what, what do you think about about that sort of um, that sort of angle of it, Rick? I mean, honestly, the, so it's actually funny. Dan Feldman, who's a writer for NBC Sports, sort of tweeted out uh, earlier, uh, not earlier, I'm sorry, like a few months ago, actually, an article that he wrote about Mitchell Robinson about how, you know, he had character concerns because he, you know, he went to, he committed to Western Kentucky, uh, reneged, committed again, reneged again. And, you know, I actually tweeted at Dan Feldman in response. And I was like, sounds like he's not, he doesn't have character concerns, sound like he's a guy who just knows a better way to spend his a year of his life than playing for a college that he doesn't care about uh, taking classes that don't matter and, 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 you know, wasting, wasting a year of his life basically. And Dan Feldman tweeted back at me saying, okay, Mitchell, because this was around the time of the Kevin Durant burner saga. He was making a joke that I was basically Mitchell Robinson. Um, so I'm on record as like, as being supportive of, of not supportive, but being understanding of that decision also because his dad was like going to coach Western Kentucky. Right. And then his dad like lost the job 
or one of his family members lost the job. So that's why he, he left Western Kentucky. Um, but, but at the same time, it's like you said, like at the very least, you're going to have to teach a guy who last played basketball in high school how to be a professional off the court, whether that's workouts, whether that's film study, whether that, that just regimenting his life as a professional. And, and you get a, a small sample of that as an NCAA basketball player, and he did not have that. So I think you're right, especially in terms of Mitchell Robinson, of in terms of not only are you going to have to teach him how to play NBA basketball, you're going to have to t- teach him how to be a professional. And when you're all, you've already gone through that with, with Lonzo, a little less so with Kuz just because he spent so long in college. But with Kuz, with, uh, you, you know, you've seen Julius Randle make the full transition to a professional now. Uh, with, with Brandon also, and, and you want to chase LeBron and you want to chase Paul George, it, it's, tough to, it's tough to sort of balance on one scale the consummate professional and LeBron a dude who spends millions of dollars on his body versus Mitchell Robinson, who probably is still eating Lonzo salads, which is iceberg lettuce, cheddar cheese, and ranch dressing. You know, it, it, and I, so I get that. And, and I get that too with Robert Williams. You know, you don't want to, to draft a guy into the locker room who, you know, you, you're like I said, you're trying, to, you're trying to play with all-star level players and you got to convince this guy to give it his all every trip down the floor. Uh, I remember... Um, Laker film room, who I don't know if you're familiar with Laker, as, as a non-Laker fan, but Lakers fans all know him. He, he's a guy um, who started making, I think two years ago, started making uh, film breakdowns of the Lakers, and he's probably like the most knowledgeable Laker content creator that is, exists on the internet. He posted a video of Mo Wagner, and it was like, dude, it was a regular season non-conference game in mid-January, and my man dove on the floor three times in seven seconds and then got a jump ball called and like screamed like like he was a, a, a soldier in the movie 300 at the crowd. And this is like my, it's, it's mid-January, a non-conference opponent. This game does not matter. And he's just going hard. And I think if you would if you ask me, you know, would I rather have Mitchell Robinson or, or, or Robert Williams athleticism? I'd say that. But who would I rather have on that team with Lonzo, with Kuz, with, with B.I., with Julius? Mo is the guy you'd rather have on that team. So I think you, you spoke uh, very intelligently to that to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, go ahead. Anything else no, on Mo? No, I just, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think were there a few more pieces in place for the Lakers, I think adding a guy like Robinson or Williams could definitely have helped the team. But just given the situation with the roster, it, it, it I think Wagner's a better fit. I think you put it put it well. All right. Um, before we get to the 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 thirty sorry the forty seventh pick, uh, we're, we're going to go over an unofficial pick. Uh, the Lakers um, it's not finalized yet, but the Lakers bought one of the four second rounders that that Philly had because Philly had four second rounders, two first rounders, and only like two or three open roster spots. So. Uh, they weren't going to keep all those picks. And the Lakers bought the 39th pick. And with the 39th pick, they selected or Philly selected for them Isaac Bonga, who currently plays for the Frankfurt Skyliners out of Germany. Isaac Bonga is a 6'9 point guard slash small forward. I, he's listed at point guard, but I think, you know, he'll probably in, in the NBA probably be a ball handling wing, a point forward, if you will. Um, very raw, very raw guy. Yeah, he started, he played street ball before he played organized basketball you know what i'm saying so that's i think that's where the sort of the ball handling uh, origins come from i was watching some tape of him earlier not earlier excuse me yesterday and he's not like the greatest athlete per se in terms of nba Rick. athleticism but the dude's long he's six nine he knows how to use his length when going to the basket he's got passing vision um I, you know 
I think he's more of a draft and stash, so to speak, but I could be wrong. He could come to G League and dominate. Um, but I think it was a good pick at 39, especially for a stash kind of guy, um, because it's a second rounder. So the, the contract's not guaranteed until he signs on the, the bottom line, um, which is important because, you know, the Lakers want to have maximum cap space. Uh, so every million dollars matters. Um, but I was just curious about what you thought about Bonga as a prospect and as, as a fit with the Lakers either in the future uh, and, and that point forward role, uh, learning from LeBron potentially, or just in general. Okay, so so with Bonga, I, you know, I, he's a name that was pretty consensus that was in a lot of mocks um, across the board. So I put him in mind. I didn't really watch much tape on him. Um, but after a little bit um, since we draft, since he was drafted by the Lakers, it's an interesting one to assess because – the the league that he plays is you know it's a German league and it's hard to kind of assess the the talent level and the level of competition that he's playing against. Um, but from what I understand and watching a little tape about him, it's really the 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 length, the size and length at his age. You know, he's only eighteen, so he's very young. Um, I mean, he could still come over in, in three years, and obviously at twenty one would still be very young for the NBA. Um, he's he's got good length, um, good good wingspan, um, and. You know, he, he his ball handling is, is good. You know, you see a lot of these guys, uh, the Bruno Caballo type, you know, guys that have the physical tools but really aren't there from a basketball perspective, um, yet that often have, like, no handle at all. He's got a little bit of handle, um, which is good. And one thing that was interesting about him that I read, too, is that he was a 90% foul shooter this year, which I thought was interesting that somebody like that who, like you said, doesn't have you know a, a career's worth of organized basketball experience um, like some of these other guys coming in from the states do. That a guy like that would shoot ninety um, percent from the foul line. So it shows he's got mechanics. Um, it shows he he has the ability to develop a shot later. Um, he's not as much like a uh, he's not really an elite athlete. It's really the length that the Lakers like here. You know he's not super explosive. He plays kind of a point forward role uh, with his German club. Um, so I think it's probably be pretty hard to, to come up with a comp for him. I think, you know, the, the draft side I saw had Kyle Anderson, which, I mean, there really aren't many guys like Kyle Anderson that are, you know, six, eight, six, nine long arms and play kind of a distributor role. So, I mean, I, I guess that's fine. Um, but again, this is a, a situation for the Lakers again, where they don't know about roster spots this year. So they're smart to take a guy that's kind of, uh, ultra raw and then they can maybe bring over, um, in a couple of years if he's had. Uh, had some time to develop so good good pick I don't really see why you take him at 39 if you have a pick at 46 you know was someone else really gonna pick him between there and 47 I'm not sure um so probably could have maybe taken a more of a contributor uh being that high in the second round and maybe look to get him with the 47th but um, overall, I, I like the pick for sure, and, and think you know he he has a chance to come over, um, and has a chance to maybe maybe play a role for the Lakers down the line. Yeah, I I, I think you I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's a curious pick, I guess. Um, like you said, you know, you bought an extra pick, uh, just to pick him, and I I don't know, maybe they thought Brooklyn was gonna pick him because they picked Rodion's Kurux next. Uh, maybe they just thought you know we got to pick him before all the foreign guys go off the board. I'm not sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, it should be interesting to see. I, I would love it if he, I would love it if he came over just to watch him play summer league and just to see how he played in the G League. It would be interesting though because the G League is a lot faster. It's much more based on athleticism, and I don't think that would suit him well. Um, but at the same time, you never know. Um, but most likely, he'll be in Germany for a while still. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. 
and, and the last Lakers pick, number 47, my guy, Svi Mikhailuk, just a lights out shooter. He shot 44% uh, from three. Uh, what what this year at at Kansas? Uh, shot, I think shot five no, five hundred? No 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 two two hundred two hundred fifty threes. Uh, so not a small sample size at all. He's an eighty percent free throw shooter, but those his rate his free throw rate is really low. He doesn't really get to the line. He's not really a driver, so to speak. Um, like over half his shots were threes. So he is a spot up shooter. Um, and doesn't really do too much else. Like he he averaged four rebounds and almost three assists a game in 35 minutes. I think you know you you put me on the court for an, for a college game for 35 minutes. I'm gonna grab four rebounds and then dish the ball three assists out too. So I don't you know I think shooting is his his main calling card, which sort of fits in with the theme of the Lakers draft. Shooting is obviously a premium here. Um, but I, I thought for a, for a pick 47 getting. You know, a guy who's one of the best shooters in the draft is huge. Um, so so you like the pick overall? You you like Makai Luke as a as a pick here? I like him as a pick. I mean, it's forty seven. Like, I don't think there was anyone else other than maybe Shake Milton who I was gonna say like, yeah, oh no, we should have drafted that guy. I like maybe Costas on Kumpo, but we kind of just drafted our our long rangey foreign point forward with bonga at 39 so you know i i just i don't see any i i think it was a good use for a pick getting that good of a shooter at 47 i i'm assuming you're gonna play devil's advocate here so, so go ahead. <laughs> did i did i set it up that that obviously <laughs> i need to work on my uh my delivery my subtlety so i hate mikhail luke as an nba oh god i hate him as a prospect i think so I mean, you, you. I'm glad that you kind of hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head about what he what he does bring, right? Forty four percent, two hundred fifty attempts. This guy can catch and shoot and knock down, and that that's what he does. That's who he is. That's his calling card. Um, but when you, I'm glad that you also said that that's all he brings because that's all he brings. <laughs> that's literally it. And I understand. I mean, there's a role. Listen, there's a role for that in today's NBA. Guys that do quite literally nothing else but catch and shoot. Kyle Korver, although he has gotten better on defense, obviously he's made a career out of doing that. Shout out to our VCU guy, Troy Daniels, down in Phoenix. Pretty much a shooter and nothing else. But the frustrating thing about Makai Luke is that he's 6'8". He's 6'8". Like he, and I'll get I'll get to his defense in just a minute or lack thereof. But he's 6'8". Like when you're that height, you you know you should be able, unless you are quite literally Steve Novak, you should be able to contribute a little bit more offensively in terms of maybe creating, maybe putting the ball on the deck a little bit. Um, you know those extra percentage points on your three point percentage are great, but it's a, a guy who can create a little for himself who shoots 38 percent. Versus why Luke shoots forty four. Like, give me the guy that can create a little bit um, and shoots a little bit lower percentage. Versus the guy that quite literally all he does is catch and shoot the basketball. You know, another guy that was available at that spot. Not saying you guys should have taken him. Um, was you know K- Keita Bates' job, who some people thought was a first round talent. You know, he shot thirty five percent from three on five attempts a game, and you know was Big Ten Player of the Year, averaged almost twenty a game. So, I mean, he's a guy that you could have taken. Like you said, you took your project um, with Bonga at, at 39. You could have taken a guy that can come in on a, on a minimum deal, a cheap deal, um, and maybe contribute and give you a little bit this season um, with your roster in flux. So are, are you ready for um, 
my my favorite Speed McKay stat, which you may actually know already, but um, when it comes to his defense, so McKay is six eight, right? Measured in at six seven and three quarters, he's six eight, right? We we we. we you know where his wingspan is? Yes, I know where this is going. Six four and three quarters. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. on what planet is a six eight guy have a wingspan that is four inches shorter than his height? That is bananas. That's like weird for an average human being, much less an NBA shooting guard. Like people <laughs> people that don't understand, like, not to mention that, but his foot speed is terrible. He I mean he can get to the basket a little bit, I guess. A lot of that's because he is six foot eight, and in college, playing sort of that three role for Kansas alongside Malik Newman and Devontae Graham was bigger, a little bit taller than the guys he was driving against. But on defense, he has he doesn't have the foot speed and he doesn't have the length. People that say, "Oh, well, you know, what does it really matter how long his arms are?" When it comes to defense, especially on the wings in the NBA, it's not really about blocking shots. It's just about your ability to keep the guy in front of you or to keep him occupied with your hands. Um, and, and your wingspan, uh, it's critical. It's critical on defense, especially when you're trying to defend guys. I mean, I guess he's an NBA two with that wingspan. You, know, you can't defend threes in the NBA. There's no way. He's just not. The, he's not an athlete enough to, to do it. Um, so I, you know, I I understand that. You know, you made a good point too that there weren't a ton of guys available at 47. That I can legitimately say and say, oh, you should have taken him. You should have taken him. Don't get me started on Devin Hall, UVA. I, uh, from everything I hear, he's a very nice, nice, uh, nice young man. But I, I'm, I'm not take, I'm not drafting him. You know, he, he's got, he's got an even shorter wings. He's got a, about the same wingspan as Mikhailuk. I think it's only about an inch longer than than his height at six five. And people said he was a shooter. You know, he shot. That, that's a side. He's forty percent on two point three attempts a game. That's a side note. But I, I just and DeAnthony Melton, who actually went the very, I was hoping. That you guys were going to get the chance to draft the hometown kid, Anthony Melton. I love. I he would have been. I mean, hindsight. Yeah. I mean, he obviously went ahead of uh, ahead of the opportunity, but I would have considered him at, at thirty nine. I mean, some people had him as a first round talent too. Um, would have loved to get him, but obviously he went. But I. So there's my uh, yeah. <laughs> there's my my feelings on Makai Luke. I you know I wish him nothing but success. I think again today's NBA, he's got a role because he can knock down and catch and shoot guys, especially if you. Get guys like LeBron James, who are the best at driving to the basket we may have ever seen. That's all you need guys that can do is catch the ball and put it in the hole. So maybe he has a role, but I, as a prospect, I, I, I was very, I was down, down on Mikhail for sure. I think you're right in that there's no way he can guard threes. Uh, he has to guard twos. I think uh, in between his sophomore and junior year, he wanted to he wanted to bulk up because he, he wanted to be able to sort of guard bigger players and, and be stronger. Um, but because of that, he sort of he he lost a lot of his, his lateral quick. Not, not a lot. He lost some of his his lateral. I didn't I didn't know if he had that much to begin with. But he lost some of his lateral quickness. Um, and then he, he he tried to lose the weight again. He adjusted his diet. And actually ended up getting six sick, excuse me, his, uh, his, his, I think it was just junior year, sophomore year, junior year. And he lost like 20 pounds and went from like 225 down to like 205. And then uh, that's when he got a little bit quicker. So I think because of that and because of, you know, his t- t- uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, he's going to have to play two. Um, I think you're right. I think he doesn't really have um, sort of starter quality, a starter quality future. I think he's going to end up being, you know, your, your sort of second unit wing. Um, but Hey, second unit wing who can shoot threes like that is what it is. Um, 
quick quick aside uh kita base job um he won big 10 player of the week for the first time on december 11th uh this season december 11 2017 um that was only after he scored a career high 27 points in a 97-62 win against my very own William and Mary Tribe. You said key to this job, so I just wanted to <laughs> bring a full circle. Throw them the shout out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, shout out Tribe. Shout out Daniel Dixon playing for the Celtics in, in, um, in Summer League. Well, got, at least got a training camp invite. I think he's going to be playing for the Celtics. Um, shout out, shout out uh, Marcus Thornton, who played also for the Celtics uh, in training camp. So apparently the Boston Celtics like the Tribe. Maybe it's the green and gold. I don't know. Uh but but shout out to those two guys, um, yeah. I mean, like you said, Savid definitely has has his limitations. Um, I, I think part of it is, yeah, Kita base job was still there, uh, uh, but uh, Devin Hall was still there, I guess. But at forty seven, you you definitely got to just like at forty seven, you're you're picking your guy that you want. Boom. And and I think your your opinion of Kita base job is definitely validated by the fact that the T Wolves picked him one pick after the Lakers picked Savid. They were probably like, yes, they didn't pick him. Um, but you know, like you said, D'Anthony Melton did not see him dropping down to 46. I'm pretty sure that had he been there, uh, uh, the Lakers would have picked him. I'm also interested because that's the Houston Rockets, uh, second round pick and the Houston Rockets got done a solid by Mitch, by, by, sorry, by Magic Johnson, um, because they got, they got Lou Williams last year. Um, so maybe, I think maybe they could have used that relationship to maybe move up, but I, I don't know because I can definitely see. Svi sort of fitting in with the, with the shooting of Houston, um, but that that's sort of one of my other interests. The, the sort of trades at at that level of the draft, um, where I'm pretty sure it's just you know relationships, um, you know like like the Nuggets and the Magic trading, you know the Nuggets trading down from 41 to 43. Like who like how do you decide that? You know the Mavs uh, trading 54 to the Sixers for 56 and 60. Like how did how do you value that? Like that has to be just guys like knowing each other saying, all right, I want this guy. Did you mind taking this guy? Um, so I, I'm interested in that, but overall uh, I think the Lakers, they didn't necessarily pick the best player at every draft position, but I think they did pick guys like Mo Wagner going to step in and be playable day one. Isaac Bonga is a great project for the future because odds are we're going to have to trade some draft picks uh, to get, Luol Ding off the books, so it's going to be good to have that that draft and stash guy, uh, young guy available. Um, Svi, good to get a shooter at that range because, like we just said, you know the the Lakers' young talent funnel is definitely going to be a little uh, a little short on talent um, if they trade Ding, which is happening, and especially if they give up future picks for Kawhi Leonard, which I don't think is happening. Um, All right, we got before we got about we got about we got a couple we got about seven minutes left until we're being gone for an hour and a half. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but do you want to talk a little bit about the current state of the Lakers roster, or do you want to leave that you, for another pod? You took it. You took the words out of my mouth. We we don't we're, we're we can close on that. We're not going to do a countdown today, so we can close on uh, on the Lakers roster and the holes and and free agency. Um, and you know, I got I got I got my local. I got my local uh, basketball prodigy on with me, so I can wax poetic about the Lakers forever. But I would love to hear an outsider's perspective, especially from a rival Suns. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think what's so interesting to me is that in when it comes to all of this, I think it's pretty clear. We talked a little bit earlier about how media, how what the media reports nowadays is almost always uh, delivered intentionally. It's not like they're doing uh, really digging these things out. It's more, it's become more of a climate of 
folks seeking out the media to get their narrative the way they want it. So with Paul George being out for two years saying, I want to be a Laker, with the Kawhi League breaking that Kawhi says, I would like to be in Los Angeles, whether that's a Laker or a Clipper, you've got to believe in today's day and age that those are intentional, right? Like, these guys don't let that out unless they want it known and unless they want to speak it into existence in some way, shape, or form. What's so what's so interesting to me is that if they both are there, I think LeBron's coming, right? But LeBron obviously isn't coming by himself. But there's so many moving parts to the situation in terms of LeBron has, having a player option. Kawhi being under contract this year, um, you know, for, for what it is, and being eligible for the Supermax coming up. Um, and then Paul George, his situation, um, you know, where L.A. can offer him the max, but uh, OKC can obviously offer one additional guaranteed year at 40 plus million, which is a huge sum of money. Um, and with the state taxes, too, there's a lot more money on the table for him to stay in Oklahoma City. So I think what's not being talked about as much as it should be is how essential Paul George is to this entire equation. Because if Paul George decides, you know what, I want to stay in Oklahoma City, or you know what, I'm going east, I'm going to Philly. If he decides one of those two things, the Spurs have no obligation to trade Kawhi Leonard until the trade deadline. So if Paul George decides not to come to L.A., even if Kawhi is coming is in, or is not coming till the deadline or is not coming until the 2019 class, LeBron is in a situation where unless he wants to mark his cousins or unless he loves Randall enough where he feels comfortable with that group and Julius to, to go to L.A., I don't think he's coming. I, I, I don't see a scenario in which LeBron comes without Paul George. I just don't see it. I don't know if, if as a Laker fan, I think if I'm the Lakers, and this is what happened with Miami, is Miami, when they got LeBron, they went out, they secured Wade, they went out and got Bosh, and then they came to LeBron and said, this is what we're doing. The Lakers' first call needs to be to Paul George on July 1, and he needs to sign on the dotted line, and then they need to go to LeBron James. That is what I think. I think the narrative is they're either just going to decide at the same time we're all coming, and those conversations might occur, but the key to this entire LeBron Lakers new super team scenario is Paul George. And I don't think that's being talked about enough. Rick, I would love your thoughts on my theory and opinion. Adam, that was well elucidated. That was logical. Uh, that that was well supported uh, by evidence, uh, both seen and unseen. Uh, it made a lot of sense. Uh, and I think you're wrong. Uh <laughs> <laughs> let's do it let's talk about it let's talk about okay, it okay here's the thing and I, I i don't think i don't think you're wrong so to speak i think that that all makes a lot of sense uh i just disagree for several reasons right um i think one and i i think honestly i think it all starts and ends with the warriors right i think lebron has played against the warriors four times in the finals uh I think he knows how good they are. And I think that he also knows that there is there are very few situations where he's going to have the talent level to match the Warriors, right? Both the talent level and the type of players that are gonna that are gonna put him in a position to beat the Warriors. Can, do we agree on that? We agree. Okay. 
I think LeBron has been very obvious in saying that this is going to be a family decision. Now, he might be overstating that a little bit. I don't think he is, but he might be overstating that a little bit. But even if he is, even if he is, he has made it clear that it won't just be a basketball decision, right? It will be a lifestyle decision. Where does, where does his wife want to live? Where do his kids want to live? Where does he want to live? What makes What is a comfortable situation for him and his family, right? That combined with the idea that no team is currently constructed to beat the Warriors make me think that this decision LeBron is going to make is is as independent of a free agent decision as LeBron James has ever made, right? I was listening to the Low Post last night, and Brian Wendhorst, who is as plugged in with LeBron as anybody, says he is 51% sure that LeBron's going to the Lakers, 40% sure no, 51% odds that LeBron's going to the Lakers, 40% that he stays with Cleveland, and 9% that he's going to Philly, right? Now, Brian Windhorse's asinine percentages aside, I think it's telling that LeBron James is considering enough going to the Lakers, even without anyone else going there, because no matter what, he wants his son to become, he wants to be able to watch his son play. He wants to be there for his son after his son's games because he's playing at Sierra Canyon in Los Angeles. Um, he wants to live his life with his family comfortably and make them happy. I think that has more to do with, with Los Angeles than the basketball. Now, that being said, right, we talked a lot about uh, teams and, and, and agents and players leaking things to the media to, to sort of frame the narrative. I, I'm sorry. I, I am 100% in belief that Paul George is going to be a Laker. I think these these tidbits that have been coming out about, oh, he doesn't want to leave Russ because him and Russ have a great brotherhood, uh, I think this is all damage control. I think this is Paul George. Because there was even a report that you know Paul George wants to stay, but his wife and his mom want him to go to L.A. Now, I, I know it's, it's a big thing in black families. I think it's a big thing in families anyway. Whatever the women say, that's what happens, right? So I think, <laughs> I think he knows personally that, that he wants to go to L.A. And I think he's doing damage control, leaking these stories so that Russell Westbrook doesn't get the, the narrative of, oh, he ran out, ran Kevin Durant out of town, and now he's running out, running Paul George out of town, especially with the news that broke today that Carmelo Anthony has informed the OKC Thunder that he will be opting into his $28 million player option, um, completely crippling the Thunder's ability to have any flexibility in the free agent market or in the trade market um, without giving up something that they need to be good. I think Paul George sees the writing on the wall. I think he sees that that team is destined for nothing. And I think he wants to be comfortable. So, one, I independently think Paul George is going to be a Laker. He said it. He said it last year when the team did not have Lonzo and was trash. Right? Like he already said it. Um, and because of that, I think it's a done deal. Independently. Now, on the flip side, like I said before, LeBron James also is making this decision. I don't want to say independently. They might be talking, and I think they might be they might be talking about joining, and, and it might be a done deal. But I think LeBron James has bigger a, a bigger idea for what his legacy can be, and that involves the Lakers, and it involves uh, the the players on the Lakers roster and the Lakers team, and that combined with his desire to put his family in a comfortable situation make him an independent make him independently likely to go to the Lakers and Paul George's personal situation also make him independently uh uh independently what am I trying to say uh uh likely to go to the Lakers too 
Um, so I think, yeah, like there's a connection between the two guys, but I also think the two guys by themselves want to play for the Lakers, and that alone is enough. Right. No, and I, listen, I would expect I would expect nothing less from a, a Laker fan. Again, I think you you articulated your points well, and I, I think I think you can kind of fit my point, just like my point, in alongside with what you're saying. Like I I, I think that Paul George wants to be a Laker too, but I, I think I was more looking at it from an organizational standpoint, saying I think the key to getting LeBron James is first getting Paul George. I think. Um, what I think – see, an interesting thing that you didn't bring up that I am, have just recently started thinking about a little bit is that if Paul George decides to stay in Oklahoma City, LeBron could very well opt into his player option and play another year out in Cleveland because the 2019 free agent class has got Kawhi, it's got Clay, it's got Kyrie, it's got all kinds of guys that could potentially shake the league up in terms of, of superstar potential. So – I think your your points are are all well well taken and well understood that you believe that they both want to be Lakers, but I think given LeBron's person, you know, you talked about Paul's personal situation a little bit. Given LeBron's personal situation of the wife and kids and all of that, I think from a basketball perspective, if Paul George decides to stay, LeBron will. I think LeBron will heavily consider. Staying in Cleveland, opting into his deal. You know, Bronny's only going into eighth grade. He's not actually going into high school yet. So it's not, it's, you know, that, that one extra year is possible because I think, you know, LeBron, I, I, I'm with you in that it's a family decision, but you, you know how big LeBron is on legacy. If LeBron goes to the Lakers without another superstar, and let's say they re sign Julius, how many games does LeBron plus the current core? with no other superstar win in the Western Conference next year. 48? 49? Yeah, that's actually the exact number yeah, that I like have. Yeah, like 48 in a six seed and they're, you know, maybe maybe get a series. I mean, I think from a legacy perspective, like, and then maybe he looks to, I, I, I just don't, I don't see the transition being that kind of, I don't see it going that way. I don't see him wanting to revert back to not going to the finals. Or at least not having a shot against Golden State in Houston with a you know with a competitive with a really competitive team, um, but again, all could be not if Paul George, which I think you're probably right. I think he probably is going all all that out the window if Paul George signs. You know that's then then it's all a moot point. Um, but I, I think it's definitely definitely interesting. Um, the Kawhi thing, I I wouldn't get my <laughs> if I'm a Laker fan, I really wouldn't get my hopes too much up unless it comes to, you know, Kawhi plays the year out and becomes a true free agent because Harcy Buford and those guys in, in San Antonio, I mean, I understand that they would be losing him for nothing if they, you know, just let him walk at the end of the year. They don't get the extension worked out, but trading him to LA. I mean, I, I, I just, I see it. If they do do it, it would be 11th hour. It'd be at the deadline this year and it would be for a huge amount of the core players that you guys have now and honestly I know Paul George plays the two let's say they hang on to in that situation of the three they probably hang on to Lonzo I'd say the Spurs would probably take Ingram Kuzma and a couple first for Kawhi but I mean there's you obviously have to let Randall walk in that situation in that scenario you're left with Lonzo and, and three three wings they're all great and that's probably a four seed team but I you know <laughs> I'd be equally comfortable with the entire core plus LeBron and Paul versus 
like nothing from the core and LeBron, Paul, and Kawhi. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I'm I'm of a similar mind mindset. Actually, I I I don't even think I think the only way we get all three is that 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 situation that you outlined where Paul George opts in, LeBron opts in, and Kawhi plays the year out or gets traded, and then they all three become. Uh, unrestricted free agents in 2019 and, and they've just figured figure out how to work the money um i don't like you said i don't think Kawhi's is going to get traded to the lakers unless it's you know unless it's february 17th um and the spurs are you know and Kawhi has not played for five months um i i also i it, it's sort of like you said like there's a bit of redundancy and obviously it's you know 20 the 2018 nba uh two-way switchable wings is in are in vogue but i think there's a bit of redundancy with having all three of them which sounds silly because they're the like three of the top four two-way players in the league um so there's no such thing as redundancy when it comes to that talent level um but it to your point it's about how much you have to give up to make that happen uh will the spurs be willing to make that happen for the lakers i don't think so um but i mean we have six days until LeBron decides whether to opt in or opt out. And he has to make that decision before free agency starts. Um, so I think that is going to inform a lot of, uh, a lot of the summer. Um, and I, and I've, I think from the podcast that I've listened to in the articles that I read, there's a overwhelming uh, majority of people who believe that he will be opting out and becoming a, just a straight up free agent. Um, in which case, I think it's, it's the odds of him being a Laker at that point are just completely 100%, 100% true. Uh, because he could still opt out of that contract and Cleveland would keep his bird right. So they could still pay him more, um, you know, go over the cap to pay him, pay him more than anybody else, give him that extra year. Um, you, think, but, you, think, you think Dan Gilbert makes that offer? I sort of think if LeBron opts out, it's, it's, it's good, goodbye and good night. I don't, I don't know. But I don't, I don't really see Dan Gilbert. I mean, maybe, maybe he's smart enough to. Maybe Kobe Altman is like, you have to do this. But I don't, I don't really see him handing LeBron a piece of paper with two hundred and however many million dollars on it after, after that. I think that would. Be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting for sure. I, yeah, I think, I think that's a silent, customary meeting. I think no one talks. I think Dan Gilbert looks at Kobe Altman, and Kobe Altman just shakes his head and slides the contract over to LeBron. And LeBron looks at it and tears it apart and then books his flight to LA. Um, but it has been, it was, it was a, it was an interesting draft because we had a lot of movement within the draft, but not a lot. Of, I don't think any players actually, no current players got moved after all the fervor about how this was going to be an exciting draft for player movement. I think we're going to see some interesting things this summer. Andrew Bogut also thinks we're going to see some interesting things this summer. He tweeted out like, uh, don't be fooled. Most of these deals have already been done. So get your popcorn ready. It's going to be an exciting summer. Um, so I'm excited. Um, and I, at this point, Laker fans don't even have anything to, to be worried about. Like if we get LeBron and LeBron only fantastic, LeBron can claim the narrative is he wants to influence the next generation and create the next Los Angeles Lakers dynasty and be the, the bridge to the next Los Angeles Lakers dynasty. If we get Paul George and Paul George only, we get to watch the young kids grow with Paul George. Uh, if we get both of them, we get to actually be somewhat contenders, uh, right now and see what these guys can do, see how the young guys can step up. Uh, and if, by some uh, by some random happenstance, uh, Kawhi Leonard gets traded to the Lakers, and we get to have a super team. Um, and if none of those things happen, if, if Paul George opts in, LeBron opts in, and Kawhi doesn't reach unrestricted unrestricted free agency until 2019, uh, and we don't talk to him until then, then we just we get to see our young core grow for another year and hopefully be healthy this year uh, and, and see if they can fight for a playoff spot. 
Um, I think Lakers fans are in a good position right now uh, with the team. I think the Lakers are in a good position right now. And I think Magic Johnson did what he said he was going to do when he became uh, you know, president of basketball operations. He brought the luster and allure of, of Laker except, exceptionalism back into the league. And as fans, that is all we can ask. For. Absolutely. I have one last question for you, then I got to wrap it up and head out here. But I have one question for you as a Laker fan. Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, you, won't, you can only keep one. Who do you keep and why? Oh, that's tough. Um, I'll put it in rankings for you. Number three is Kuz. Number two is Ingram. Number one is Ball. Wow. I think interesting. I think Kuzma's Kuzma's great, obviously. Like, and that's a tough decision. Um, it's it's not even a matter of like what his what his ceiling is. It's just like Ingram is like Kuzma's great. Kuzma's a great scorer, very consistent scorer, and that's that's awesome. Ingram on the other hand, is malleable, right? He's long. He can handle the ball at his height. He's still growing, like, height-wise. Uh, he's still – he's 20 years old. He just turned 20 years old. He's young. He's shown the, the the ability to develop just from his rookie year to his sophomore year. I don't mean develop as in get better. Like, he added the hesitation dribble to his, to his, uh, his repertoire, which allowed him to get to the basket a lot more. Uh, he added the one-dribble pull-up to his repertoire a little bit more. He still needs to work on it. But, like – from a 19-year-old to a 20-year-old, he has shown the ability to get better playing with grown men, and he's not his body is not done changing. I think that's ama- amazing, um, and he's he's definitely he's my favorite player of the young core, I'd say. Uh, but when it terms to keeping a guy, I think it matters because as much as Levar Ball talks, he says something that's true. Lonzo Ball is the type of guys that other stars want to play with because they know they're going to get the opportunity to score without doing much. He's if they move to the basket, Lonzo's going to get them the ball in a, in the in the position to score. And I think although I would rather have like personally, I would rather have Ingram because I think he is the guy that like you can build around in the future. I think Lonzo's the guy that people want to play with and he makes other players so much better. And I think that's why Lonzo is the one. Because at the end of the day, like you said, if if we have to trade away everybody and 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 we end up with Lonzo, Ingram, I'm sorry, Lonzo, PG, Kawhi, LeBron, and, and Mo Wagner, Lonzo is going to get those guys so many easy buckets that it's going to be absolutely incredible. And I think that, you know, even in the future when those guys retire, Lonzo is still going to be in his mid-20s and other stars are going to want to play with him. Um, so that's why I think because Lonzo had a poor offensive season in terms of shooting, but you know he was what this close, like three rebounds and two assists, three assists away from averaging a triple double the whole year. He does everything. He's he's the head of our defense. Uh, he's a smart player. Once he learns how to communicate on the defensive end, um, I, like I don't know, man, the sky's the limit for him. So I, I think Lonzo's the one. Yeah, he's 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 a great he's a great defender. I, I mean, maybe very good, not great, but he's a great defender and he can rebound. I mean, he's. Seven rebounds a game is a point. I mean, I know he's tall, but as a point guard, and they're real rebounds too. They're not like, oh, yeah. the, the you know long shot I collected. No, he, he knows how to rebound the ball. Interesting. I'd probably keep that the same order as you. Again, I don't have any strong feelings, but that's uh, I just wanted to. I want to. I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to these trade scenarios. Like, if you got to give up some guys, who's um, and I think it depends on fit too. Like, I think Kuzma would thrive in San Antonio more so than um, other places, just because of his kind of maturity and overall skill set but interesting uh interesting nonetheless yeah well this has been without a doubt the absolute longest edition of basketball reasons that's ever been recorded uh, but we talked we touched we touched on a lot we touched on the draft we touched on the the steve nash trade uh 
you know, we touched on the Sixers being heartless uh, and closed off with some Lakers talk. I can't complain. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Adam. I appreciate it, man. We're going to have to get you back on sometime soon. Yeah, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. A lot of fun. All right. Uh, to the listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been Basketball Reasons. Uh, we'll see you next time.